0: to the gain grow retain podcast let me kick it off with a summary of what we talked about and then we can go into uh the questions that are in the slido there were a few that were dropped in there um i think you know besides the movies we also talked about uh things for next year and we had a pretty good conversation i enjoyed it about the csm certification kind of the value found um found there karen asked like what's is there do you find value in it for those of you that are doing it and that'd be a really neat conversation go ahead and put in the chat if if you guys are have been certified whether it's through gainsight success hacker or some other platform um you know i think the general consensus of the group was that it adds value it's not the same as let's say like a pmp certification or some other cert- more specialized certifications that are out there but for the industry that we're in it adds a ton of value and it's it is a resume builder so it's it can definitely be helpful especially if you're not coming from the cs world um, and you're wanting to jump into it um, anyone want to add anything else there i'm seeing comments go up in the chat uh, all right Let's go over and look at the Slido questions and I'll open it up. I'm really great at, if I see no hands up, I call on people. So just, just a heads up there. Um, but let's see. Uh, the one with the most votes is what's more important for long-term career growth, industry expertise or CSM skills. Um, I've been debating this one myself, honestly, and you know, I'll, I'll kick it off really quick while you know, I wait for people, but um. I would say that it depends so much on what your long-term career objectives are, right? Depending on where you want to go to and what you want to see yourself at. You know, in 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 my case, you know, I've been debating this because I'm in a very specific uh, like public SaaS uh, industry and I'm not sure if I want to be there, which is why I've been uh, thinking about it. But I'd love to hear from people around the group, especially if, you know, you're more seasoned, if you've been in SaaS for 10, 15, 20 years, uh, what, what are your thoughts around this? And I know I'm seeing some people I really know, so... I'll call you in a second. Okay, Michael, go ahead. I think I will get your last name right, Buccellato. Look at that. There we go. See, Jeff, you know, Jeff doesn't get it, but I got you, dude. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff consistently butchers, butchers it. But <laughs> I'm glad we got uh,
1: somebody who can appreciate a nice, nice Italian last name. So here we go. It's it's a common uh, debate per se. You, you see a lot of posts on LinkedIn around industry expertise versus uh, kind of the skills, core skill set to be a CSM from from my perspective there is there's a lot of variance right it, it depends right in terms of where you want to take your career if if you uh you know are are interested in marketing per se you know uh, marketing tech is a very saturated market where it lends itself to becoming an industry expert while you're a CSM right you, you if you are an industry expert as a you know marketing folk you can really serve your customers um and build really tight relationships and be that strategic advisor so there's there's a dependency on I think vertical that you play in. Um, yeah, you know, I think it also depends on the organization. If uh, it is a larger organization, there are a ton of specialized roles that you might be able to to jump into after being a CSM. You might be able to be a vertical expert. Um, you might be able to go into some sort of uh, customer success engineering or more of a sales engineering role where you're you know you're seen as that industry expert. So it's really where you want to take your career the um, the vertical that you play in as well as the organization, you know, if it is a larger organization there, there could present itself an opportunity to be that, that specialized person because of your industry expertise. I agree
0: with that completely. Scott, you want to add to it?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to take the other
2: side a little bit that I think the basic account management and, and other skills are important to give you longevity of uh, industry may be, allowing you to find that expertise or, or um, maybe a better way to say it is, is that it allows you to grow an expertise in an industry if that's something that appeals to you. Um, but certainly if you have the, the core skills that employers are hiring for in the space, you know, you can kind of go take half steps place to place to place, that give you a, a wide range of experiences?
0: Yeah, you know, I would feel like if you're at the start of your professional career and, you know, all the way through, let's say early, mid-30s, um, the skills uh, can allow you to transition, you know, to, to different opportunities. But if you want to go, in my sense, to like that next level of director, VP, and so on, you're going to need that industry experience, right? I feel like I got the job that I have right now because I had the CSM skills, even though I didn't have the industry experience. But if I were to try to apply for, you know, being the director um, or even further up, I know they would require more industry experience. Um, again, some so people really like I to try to different to- things. Go for it, Diane.
3: I just want to weigh in on that. So I I've switched industries half a dozen times in my career, and I've always started at a company without any experience in the industry that that company um, has. Now it's, it's, it's always like nice to have, but I think what, what companies are definitely looking for is really strong CS chops. So if you understand um, you know, what the role of CS is and the important role that it plays in retention and expansion. Um, and you understand how to build infrastructure to, uh, and teams to drive to those, to those numbers. It won't really matter whether you knew about education or like right now I'm doing email deliverability. And I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing before I joined this company. I'm like, oh, you send an email and people get it. <laughs> no. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think you need to, um, worry that much about that. I think as long as your other skills are really strong and naturally, like um, I think that might be a little different for depending on industry. So for example, if I wanted to go do this for pharma, I think the industry domain experience would be way more important, but across like software technology, um, SaaS software technology, I don't think it matters. I mean, I've, I've done sales enablement software, web search software. Um, It just, I don't think it matters as much. So I wouldn't, wouldn't not apply for things because of that.
0: I agree with you. I, I, do, I do think it also depends on what role within CS, right. You're going for, if you're more of a technical or implementation, um, Adam, you want to go for it?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think it also depends. Like I think it solely depends on the org and the org stance on CS, right? So like, you know, if you're coming from an organization that is, I would say more business focused, you know, they're going to be more keyed in on the CSM skills because they understand that that's tra- that's transform, that's transferable across that, or if you come from more of a support instance or a reactive approach, I think that's when they're going to look for more industry experience. So I do think it's kind of depending on kind of the take of the company as to what they're looking for. And I think a strong CSM should possess the EQ enough to kind of get there through the interview process and present themselves as such, you know, or pivot or pivot or pivot that throughout the process. And I think that's why CX interview process is key for us is because, you know, getting to the EQ questions and being able to get to that is honestly exactly what we need to do for our customers in making sure we're flushing out and getting ahead of the headlights. So that's my, that's my take there.
5: Thanks for that. Matt. Yeah. And, you know, really to kind of piggyback off what Diane was saying, uh, even what, you know, Mike was bringing up earlier, um, you know, sometimes it's not necessary. You know, it's good to come in and really know, uh, you know the 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 road that your role will take you, but also good to know where the organization needs to take it. Um, number, number of interviews that I've gone uh, on across the year, really seeing all different directions that organizations need to go in, depending on either their needs, uh, their later investors' needs, um, you know, depending on the situation that they're in. Um, but a common thread throughout customer success is having that EQ, being a listener. Um, it's something that I think that. Uh, both Jeff and Jay really hit on and they highlight a lot when they came into HireLogic, uh, you know, doing that 100 days, 100 clients. Um, so really just getting a chance to sit down and speak with your PO, speak with people that you can be representing. What are your needs? How can we best serve you? Then let's go ahead and craft what we're going to be doing. And I think as a CSM, you know, one, that's essential. But then two, as a client being introduced to someone like that, I hear a lot of talk of how you distinguish CSM between the other people on the account team. CSM is going to be there to listen to you. CSM is not only going to to be there to listen to you. You're going to see the action after speaking with them. That I think is the indistinguishable characteristic. Now, if you come in with the industry experience along with that, okay, maybe at the, uh, maybe at the offset, you have that opportunity to do a little bit more back and forth, but I think going in without it and myself being in that situation a couple of times, I found to be able to just sit back a lot more and be a pure listener, have them drive. Because you really don't know how many times you can find that so many different facets of clients can have so many different needs, therefore driving what your action would need to be. And I feel like if you may go in with a preconceived notion, you may influence on that. However, that could also uh, lead you to be more of a trusted advisor. So I think points to both sides, but nonetheless, a great debate. And I know that they're also continuing it over on Catalyst is one of their hot topics
0: point, Ashley, you want a closing statements for this question?
6: Yeah, I think and that makes sense. I asked um the question, so yeah, appreciate all the insight. I'm s- surprised no one said both ideally. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's hard, and that's one thing I've been been thinking about. So appreciate the input. Um, yeah, I know it's a common topic. There's a good podcast. Um, Sherry, a couple people talked about it recently on um, might have even been this podcast. but anyway, yeah, no, I think I think it depends, you know, for me, like in my company, I think it'd be hard to come into without any industry expertise. So at least, I mean, just gives you more learning to do up front. but agreeing that I think industry expertise is easier to learn than empathy. Um, you know, so like Joshua was saying in our group, you know I know I can teach you the industry. I don't, I can't teach you empathy necessarily or it'll take much longer. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think that was a good conversation. That's, that's all I'll, I think I'll add for today.
5: Awesome, quick, thank Exactly, uh, to exactly that point. I mean, there's another company, uh, BenchSci I mean, they have PhDs on their team, but they're working with pharmaceuticals who are developing reagents for uh, for testing and, vac- and vaccination. So yeah, exactly at mm-hmm. that point where someone's doing automated testing, you're definitely going to want someone in that space. I mean, cybersecurity, I know we have those meetings on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you may need that industry experience
0: there. But yeah, yeah, definitely always depending on the needs of the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Ashley, thanks for pointing out that I did not ask who asked the question and for explanation. So I will do that for the next one. Um, the next question with the most votes is set. How do we exemplify how we survived 2020 in a resume? Or, you know, how are you portraying your resume um, for the upcoming year? And examples here is whether you got laid off or skills or, or surviving a layoff, you know, and picking up the slack. A lot of us are probably working with less headcount than we need. Um, who wants to kick that one off? See if not. Alex Thebert I might be mispronouncing it, but you want to chime in on this one?
7: I think I gotta um you caught me in a moment of distraction. I will fess up. Um let me pass and I'd like to listen on this.
0: No problem. Absolutely. I think we'll Nathan, you wanna throw something in here?
8: I can. Uh yeah, so this is a this is interesting. So in my company, we, we definitely survived 2020, I would say, um, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I am not currently in a position where we're actually still adding headcount um, because we know that the business is going to bounce back um, in the industry that I'm in. So I, I'm not maybe the best one to say, like, how do, you, how do you position yourself on the resume? But I'll be honest with you, this has affected everyone on every level. And hiring managers, uh, HR, they know that. Like, if there's a cap on your after the cap on your resume in 2020, that's probably not going to raise so many eyebrows for people because 2020 has been a really hard year. So that might just be a kind of remember that this isn't just happening to you um, if you've been laid off or if you're in that spot where you're like, this is, I'm in a stuck, stuck spot. And I need to get out. Um, it's happening across the board to a lot of a lot of people in the industry. Um, and yeah, so I, I think just be honest and open with that too. Um, I don't think it's going to stop anyone from getting a job. I mean, if it does, that'd be surprising to me, uh, especially in the SaaS industry. Um, and if you're working remotely, yeah, like, I think you can, you can add those skills in, right. I do now, unfortunately way more zoom calls than I used to do <laughs> uh, on a daily basis. Like those are skills that I can actually now put on my resume and say, yeah, I'm proficient in zoom and backgrounds. Uh, not this one. Uh, that's my actual office. But you know, like I do, I, I actually know my way around zoom. I can, I can handle that stuff. Like those are things that can go on my resume if needed. Um, I right. mean, it's not needed, right. Again, I think going back to the last question, like, is it needed? Is the industry requiring it? that I'm going into, maybe, maybe not. Um, but maybe know what you're looking at. Is it important? Is it not important? And build your resume off that um, for 2020.
0: Yeah. You know, I would say that one thing that, uh, the season has helped with is that people are probably proficient on more than one, more than the main conferencing tool that your company uses, right? Whether that's zoom or Webex or wherever you've to learn the other one, you know, like WebEx and teams and blue jeans and Google meet and whatever it may be. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, and it also is what, what are you doing uh, in the time in which if you were laid off, you know, what are you doing in between? And we, I've met people on this community. I know many of you have that are plugged into the community, have been getting certifications, have been networking, are, are trying to enter a new industry. All of that is stuff that you can, you can highlight. How to highlight it, not the expert, but Jody knows a lot more than I do on this topic. So I'm going to switch over to her.
7: Hi guys. So thanks Gabriel. I feel that, um, we have to be careful what we put on LinkedIn and that we make sure that our LinkedIn past, you know, our positions really focuses on our jobs. Um, I think that the way that we can show what, what people can show what they've done is on their cover letter. And we just had an interesting conversation in, in my group about cover letters. Um, there's a lot of speedy, you know, you can speed through your your res, your uh, application in LinkedIn i didn't do that i took i i feel like you get out of it what you put into it um so i don't believe in this method of spray and pray and and go through these speedy linkedin things where your resume is automatically sent um i definitely took the time to find jobs that i was qualified for and then i created um admittedly like i i don't often pat myself on the back but i created a killer cover letter um that was unique and i stood out Um, And I actually got a ton of responses back from companies that didn't have a job posted that said, uh, I probably got four interviews from jobs that didn't have a job posted. And they said, we don't have a job posted, but we loved your cover letter and we want to talk to you. Um, In those cases, there wasn't something that, it was more of an AM and salesy type role. So it wasn't quite for me. Um, But anyway, I still networked based on that. So I feel like um, your LinkedIn profile really needs to to help you stand out, because as we just talked about in my group, um, the ATS has ruined the world. I think the the ATS has ruined the world more than the pandemic has. Um, And it's allowing a lot of people to be in positions that they're not qualified for because they're counting on the ATS. So you have to stand out. You have to really have a killer LinkedIn profile that backs up what you say instead of using words like managed and supervised. And I did this. You have to really backed up, back up all of the things that you did with numbers and dollars and amounts, etc., and then use your cover letter to show your continuing education and what you've done over the last 6, 8, 12 months um, to continue to grow in CSM, that you've joined GGR, you participate, you've learned about this, you've done this other thing, you joined this group, you're reading this newsletter. Those are good the, – the cover letter, in my opinion, is where some, a lot of that stuff should go.
0: Paul, oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess I would reiterate what everybody said here. You know, having gone through cutbacks in the past, I, for, not fortunately not in 2020, but um, I think it's just being honest when, you, when you've had these cutbacks and what's going on in the economy. I think people are now more understanding and empathetic to uh, people who've been out of work for periods of time. But I think it is a lot about what you do and, and how you use that time. I did a lot of volunteering when I was off. I took a lot of time to network, but I also took the time to really focus and ask myself a lot of questions around, you know, what do I want to do? And then I tried to craft my story, being honest about it. When you get asked that question, well, why are you out of work? Or why have you been out of work for an extended period of time? And really just having a, a good polished answer. And, you know, it, it really never was an issue. I mean, it, it was one question and then it literally just brushed over and you'd get on with the rest of the interview. But trying to hide it, I think is probably the worst thing you can
7: do or yeah. trying to cover something up. It, that I couldn't was- agree more with that.
9: Yeah. And I'll just say that um, Jody was in my group and I'm one of those that um, and I shared in mind that I was laid off back in March due to COVID. And uh, it's been a roller coaster of a ride. But at the same time, um, you know, the I'm usually asked once the interview starts. So what brings you uh, to looking for a new position? And, you know, I have no problem sharing, um, you know, what happened. Um, So, but I do feel like that is kind of, you know, a number one question that you initially get, you know, why are you interested in this company or what puts you in the job market? Um, And I feel like on LinkedIn, I've noticed a lot where hiring managers will say, you know, that they're really trying to help those of us that have lost our jobs due to COVID. Um, So they're like, you know, who's been out of work because of COVID? Please let me know. I really want to reach out to you and help you. So um, I see a lot of empathy in LinkedIn. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. There are others that reach out and then you never hear back from them again. But I do feel like there is great empathy within the LinkedIn community. But I always mentioned, you know, I found Gang Grow, Retain. Um, and I, I'm thankful for it because it's it's kept me up with my skills. It's kept my spirits up. It's been something I've looked forward to weekly, and I've grown from it. So, um, you know, I, I always do throw in that as well, that I'm continuing my education and, and, um, you know, still, still looking, but, you know, I'm keeping up with my skills, so.
0: Thanks for that, Lori. Uh, not sure was first, Scott, but jump in.
9: Yeah, I mean,
2: I think... And I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn, so and it's been an area that I've gotten a lot of opportunities all over the place in in uh, SaaS, whether it be a more technical role or something that's more cu- customer success oriented. And I mean, it's 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 about focus in in terms of your profile. Uh, I don't think it matters so much that you. Hide some of the things you're doing currently in a cover letter as much as do your roles look consistent, or can you weave in consistency into uh, the set of roles you have out there um, because the the way LinkedIn works tends to uh, look at density in terms of what it what it how those recruiters are are Finding you, and certainly you have to be active. You you can't be a wallflower and expect people to 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 ask you to apply for their job.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think you know I follow. I believe his name is Austin Belchak. Might be, but he put some really great tips on on how to you know just be on the job hunt. And I think his whole thing is how to get a job without ever applying for it. Um, but his tips are really great. If you don't know him, definitely, um, check him out. I'll see if I can catch his uh, profile and put it in the chat before the session. Uh, Michael.
1: Yeah. All, all great insights. And I would, I follow him as well. He's, he's excellent. Um, you know, you need to approach it like a sales cycle. If you know something that you're interested in, you know, create a top 10 list and go out there and prospect hiring managers and try and build relevancy through messaging and liking and sharing and, um, you know, network with those people at that company and, and understand more about the role and, and what might resonate with them. Um, once you do get the the interview, I would really address the elephant in the room. I mean, diffuse diffuse the negative and reinforce the positive. It's it's all about transparency. And if those hiring managers or folks on the other end don't like it, then, you know, they're not the right fit. So I think that's, that's how I would view it.
0: 100%. Yeah, it can also be a big red flag during the hiring process, depending on how they're approaching those, you know, your reality as well. Um, I think we can squeeze one more in here. Um, we've probably talked about this one a lot, but uh, let, what CSM tool is, or what CS tool, I would say just what tool is everyone using? Um, it'd be interesting to see now that we're have been in this pandemic nine, 10 months, how has that changed? Is there a new tool you're using? You know, what, what have you added to your arsenal? You know, we, we just got WalkMe um, to just try to do in-app training, in-app messaging and onboarding. Um, so that's the new tool that we have. It got launched about three weeks ago and really exciting on top of that, we we have Salesforce and HubSpot, which I've been trying to use more and more recently, got those too, um, But yeah, uh, let's see if we can hear from some new voices. Haley Lundgren, what tools do you use?
10: Yeah, so we implemented Gainsight in February. Uh, so it was right before the pandemic hit. So it was kind of the perfect time to roll that out. Um, We previously used Salesforce, but now our sales team strictly uses that. They also use monday.com. I don't have access to those uh, too much anymore. So Insight is just really our single source of truth. Um, Documentation is key. A lot of my team actually comes from the healthcare industry. And so um, we just knew document, document, document that was drilled into our our heads in the healthcare industry. You know, if you didn't document anything, it didn't happen that was always code um, in healthcare. So that holds true in Gainsight. We need to make sure that if one of us is out or something's going on with family for the pandemic, we needed insight into every account that we're managing. So someone can easily step in, know exactly the health status of that account and what needs to be done next. Um, so Gainsight has been a huge tool. We're just about to roll out Tech Touch so that we are helping to scale that onboarding experience. So. It's been a good experience for us using Gainsight.
0: Awesome. I've heard great things about Gainsight. haven't had the privilege of trying it out. Tim, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name. I don't want to butcher it, man. But you asked the question. Why don't you um, share some thoughts there? Yeah, Gil Gil Hooley. There's not many of us
2: in the the list. But yeah, I just wanted to ask because I'm interviewing for a position with uh, a company that doesn't have a CS department or team right now. Uh, Would be one of the first few. Uh, So if I were to get this position going in, okay, if they don't have a program like Gainsight or Churn Zero, or, you know, what are some of the ideas that I can bring up you know, based on the company? But um, yeah, I'm hearing things from like Google Sheets to Gainsight. Uh, I know it's a mixed bag, but uh, would love everybody's input.
0: Thanks for sharing that. I think that, that definitely adds a lot, a lot of context. Um, you know, I'll actually speak on this one for a minute and I hope we can get at least one other person to share. I joined the company that had nothing, not even Google Sheets, absolutely nothing. And um, I started with Google Sheets, right? And trying to get set up with our CRM and everything. And then I found out, no one had told me that our sales team used Salesforce. And so we migrated, you know, all of the spreadsheet-based CRM tools to, Uh, to Salesforce. So a good question would probably be, what tools do they have? What is their tech stack currently? And it could be tools that you can leverage for CS because you might not get right off the bat buy-in, especially for a tool as expensive as Gainsight and a few others out there. Um, But, but yeah, there's a lot of neat things you could do with Salesforce. If, if, for example, that's what they have. Um, Anyone want to add to that? I see hands up, but I think that might've been from the previous question or no, they've been up like the whole time. Uh
4: um, hey Gabriel, I would like to, you know, in our group, on, in our group and, and one of the things that we recommended is and I've kind of stolen this right from a couple of conversations, is uh pin like pendo is super huge and tools like that, you know, and it just helps to make our CS jobs easier, right? Because it, it doesn't allow for us to like we don't have to do as much fact finding and discovery, right? So it's it's you know, I'd say a really good tool is if you only have the budget for one, would maybe be looking at something like a pendo or walk me to help hedge those conversations, you know, about how customers are using your tool. So that's kind of my two cents.
0: Thanks, man. Anyone want to share any more thoughts before we start wrapping it up? i just say, I mean, again, it depends a lot on what the organization's needs
5: are. I've spoken to a lot of folks who have been afraid of Salesforce, didn't like the abundance of information, as we're hearing a lot now, uh, where it's a lot coming from sales teams, uh, kind of step out of the box of just the tech. Uh, There's also the organizational structure. Uh, I like to always reference conversation, uh, the points from Christy, uh, which says, you know, we want to get CSMs involved at absolute inception when they're even a prospect not even signed with us, which means that there is a lot, You're not even dealing with a handoff. So you don't have to worry about so much of a source of truth because the CSMs are there present at the beginning. They can own that information and then watch it throughout the process. So something like Salesforce may be good for that. Uh, so I think that really it all all depends on the organization that you're getting into. Uh, our earlier discussion was that also could depend on the industry that you're getting into. Uh, for the type of information that you're collecting and seeing that how it would need to travel throughout the organization. Um, so, and, and of course, you know, what your use cases, if you're employing tech touch, if you're employing automated email, uh, you know, abundance of check-ins with customers, or if you just need some place to keep your information. Uh, I think it's always important to look at what's out there. And especially as the industry is growing with technology, uh, just go after what you need. You know, yeah, all, all offer different things. Hopefully they'll continue to offer more. Uh, I know many folks who are developing their own things, but again, always important to go about what you need.
0: Right. Thanks, Matt. And you know, one last thing, Tim, is that sometimes if they've never had anything CS at all, you kind of have to help guide them to the right solution because they might not even know what they want or they don't know really what they should want. And so that's kind of where our role comes in and that's what I've been doing at my company. Um, All right. I think with that, we're going to wrap it up quick summary y'all. Uh, last session this year, invites have gone out So make sure you get those so that you're ready to go in the first week or second week of, of next year. Really neat uh, chats going on in the GGGR uh, community and the uh, job posting community especially. So if you are looking a uh, a place to start, there's a few there and I'm sure a ton more are gonna be added as time goes by. Um, great session, I really enjoyed it. I hope it was great. Share your feedback with Jeff. If you don't think I did a great job, let Jeff know. Um, and uh, don't let me know, I'm joking. But um, have a great one, take care everyone.